first, uh, thanks for joining us today. Really appreciate uh, your time. Um, just uh, hope you take a few things away from today. I've been through many sessions, and hopefully you find a couple uh, uh, tidbits of information you can bring back to your uh, office and, and your workplace and, and get some value out. Just a real quick uh, maybe show of hands. How many people are really technical in the audience? OK, that's, that's helpful. We just wanted. Uh, Uzman is going to be talking about a few things later, and I just wanted to uh, get a gauge on, on that. So we're going to start off by doing some intros. So Uzman, do you want to start? Usman Bakshi. Uh, I'm the director of business intelligence and data warehousing at DSC Logistics. I've been in the data management for more than 15 years and with DSC for more than three years now. Good afternoon. I'm Brian Hecht, uh, director of our solutions and analytics team at DSC. Uh, and I've been in the supply chain analytics industry for about 14 years now. Thanks. And I'm uh, Kevin Coleman. I'm the chief customer officer at uh, DSC Logistics. And I've been in supply chain for uh, 25 years and at uh, DSC for uh, 18 years. So getting started today, what we, what we want to talk a little bit about is tell you what we're not going to talk about. There's a lot of, um, you know, autonomous drones, machine learning, uh, AI, bots. Um, what we're really here to talk about is how our journey on how we've created uh, data to information to intelligence. And we'll, we'll touch on some of those things and how they'll affect our, our future strategy. But really, we want to help uh, some in the audience about our journey. Uh, we've been on it for about seven years. Um, and I would say it's been um, an evolution. Uh, the technology is changing very fast. And um, we've learned a lot along the way. So we hope to share some of those things with you today. Um, for us, it's, it's always about uh, how do you create uh, customer value? Um, and that's really what um, our journey on data has been. So what we're going to do today is talk about the background, a little bit of who we are, uh, what we do in, in, the, in the marketplace, our journey. Uh, we're going to take a step back and then spend about 20 minutes. Um, uh, Brian and Usman will go through some specifics on uh, the different uh, areas where we've kind of evolved in those segments. And then we're going to do either a Q&A or we have a key learning session that we'll do kind of like a panel. So we kind of have some self-embedded questions of our learning. So hopefully it's uh, interactive. But we'll stop and, and make sure that if there are questions or if you have them, uh, during the session, please, please ask as well. So a little bit about uh, DSC. Um, recently, we were acquired by CJ Logistics. Uh, we are a $10 billion global supply chain organization. Uh, we are $850 million in the Americas. And we have Canada, US, Mexico, and Brazil operations. Um, I think what's important on this slide is our services. Um, so when we talked about data, um, we really are an end-to-end -end supply chain integrator. So we have everything from warehouse management to transportation management, value-added service, and, and consulting, as, long as, uh, as well as uh, international freight forwarding. So as we talk about data, it's not only uh, information within a DC or information along uh, the transportation continuum, but really across the supply chain and how we build those uh, use cases to provide value to our clients. Um, at the bottom of this slide is really, um, we're all about, it's not what technology you can bring, but what value can you bring to your customers. So when we look at value 
within DSC, um, there's really four levers we try to focus on. One is reducing total system cost uh, for our partners. The other one is improving service. Uh, there's been a lot of, um, in our industry, there's a lot of uh, compliance around the retail industry for on-time delivery, on-time in full. So how do we provide that data quicker, uh, more efficiently, more transparently to our customers and also to the retailers? Um, how do you take waste out of the supply chain? How do you transform business processes? You know, everyone's looking for uh, cost reduction and it really starts, where's the waste in your supply chain and how you take it out? And we believe uh, access the data quicker uh, in a visualization state really lends itself to be able to take waste out of the supply chain. And then finally, how do you facilitate growth and change, right? Your business is changing daily. Um, new new, new M&A may be coming on, you may be divesting. Uh, retailer requirements are changing. So how do we help uh, from an information perspective and how do we provide that information back to our clients uh, to provide a change in their supply chain? So I'm gonna take you through at a high level um, the four states we've been, our original state, our previous state, our current state, and then kind of where we're headed at a very high level, and then Brian and Usman will fill in the details around some uh, specific categories we felt that were uh, interesting to you. So I think everyone's seen a green screen. I think many maybe have green screens still. Uh, we have it in some of our businesses. Um, you know, our, you know it's, a, it's an evolution of this you know, product and space. And this is, uh, you know, you would get reports or information, but it was really hard. I would call this more, you had a lot of data, um, but that, that's where it kind of ended. You were really kind of um, trying to do something with that data, but it, it took some time. Our previous state was, we kind of moved to the information age where we started to be able to um, send information in a, more of a report format that was more meaningful. But even at this phase of our journey, it was just information, right? We still had to do something really to create intelligence, to create action along the supply chain. And many, many of our customers are still in this space. And we knew from our perspective dealing with you know, hundreds of clients that we really had to evolve our strategy uh, around that, the data continuum. So where we're at today, uh, we're in a, a very different world, and, and this has been an evolution. Uh, we're in an interactive dashboard uh, type of environment. We have uh, dynamic drill down capability. So really being able to uh, immediately look at, if you wanted to look at a certain retailer, what's happening in their supply chain, if you wanted to look at a, a current inbound node, a current, um, uh, you know, maybe cross-stock facility. So we've been able to build this, but very interactively to work with our clients. So even as we communicate um, through, with our clients on a QBR, quarterly business review, or an annual review, we're using these tools in an interactive fashion with our customers. And then I think the other thing we've been able to do is do applied business rules, right? So every retailer we uh, deal with, every uh, ship to point, in some regards, could have a different rule set. So instead of having to say, here's the data, and then for this customer, slicing it by that rule set, we have embedded that rule set into our, 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 our data warehouse, and that business rule allows us then to present that visualization based on uh, that retailer's requirements. So then the, the future and what's next, and, and you know, we know uh, this space is changing constantly, it's an evolution. Um, as I said, you know, we've taken 
you know, we've been on a journey for about seven years, and I would say you know, we've uh, paused to go fast, and I, we know there will be a pause again to go fast. Um, we're definitely headed in the way of layering in AI and machine learning above our data warehouse, but you really need to get that foundation work uh, you know, set first. Uh, in addition, uh, simulation, like in our space, uh, integrated simulation of uh, maybe the peak season coming up or uh, new product launch coming on. There's a definitely a different ways to use simulation uh, with the tool sets we have coming on. So we're really going to focus on uh, kind of what we've learned along the way. Um, and Brian and Usman, hopefully you'll take some uh, learnings around that and, and uh, to help you with you on your journey. Um, some of you may be farther along in your journey, and some of you may be a little bit behind in that journey. But hopefully you can find some uh, useful information. I think Usman, I'm going to turn it over to you. I didn't realize it was there. All right, so I will try to go through, like Kevin was mentioning, this has been an evolution. We have done this over the last several years. And we will try to graphically show you guys where we started out from and where we are today and a little bit into the future also. So to start with, if you can just concentrate on the left side of the graph, which is of the screen, which is the previous state. We had source systems originally uh, giving data in, and managing data in terms of few thousand records to few tens of thousands of records. And we have grown towards now where we are managing uh, millions of records in a period of, in the particular period of time. So originally, we had different data sources. They were, like you see on the screen, the warehouse management system, the transportation management system. They were separate, out, separate systems. And as they were integrated into our, for our reporting purposes, they provided their limited features for reporting, for providing the data. So some of them gave data in the form of text files. Some of them gave data in the form of XMLs. And as years passed by, new technologies came in. And that's why you see on the left side, we have like JSONs and uh, Python and different mechanisms for extracting and transforming and loading that data uh, into, our, into our data warehouse. So as part of that process, we used to load this data into our database. And these were mostly scheduled process. Uh, scattered over a day, over weeks, and this was really not really correlatable data. Uh, within a particular day, let's say, you can't see, you can't relate the data between coming from transportation system and warehouse management system because they were being scheduled in different ways just because of the limitations on the source side. Um, on the reporting and analytics side, this data used to be uh, provided to either Excel spreadsheets where people will write their macros or access files and or Cognos reports uh, so that they can subscribe to them and get some of that data on a regular basis. Now, if you can focus on the right side of the uh, picture, the current state, um, I want to focus more on that because that's where we are. And we are, we are building a framework which will help us move towards the future state. Uh, as you can see on the left side, the data sources are still the same, but we have actually modified our way of processing the data from an extract transform load to an extract load transform process. What that helps is that the data availability is much faster in the raw form to our users. So if they want to just uh, look at the data in its raw form and they understand it, they get that very quickly uh, by using this, uh, because we are not running transformations and taking time to do that, which is pretty process and time intensive. A lot of this uh, ELT process, uh, the speed that we have uh, gotten into it and the process that we have improved, is due to the cloud providers that we have used. 
So the cloud gives us the ability to not be limited by the processors, by the uh, resources that are used to process this data uh, in terms of memory, the storage, and the processing speed. Um, and we do, we do load it on a very frequent, uh, small chunks of databases. So instead of loading a whole day of data into our data warehouse uh, and staging it, we now are loading it on an every 15 minutes basis, which is lesser amount of data to deal with, and it helps us improve the overall process also. Uh, what we have done is after we put the data into our enterprise data warehouse, which you see the middle uh, big database picture, uh, we, we have now the ability to split it into different data marts. These are basically driven by the functional areas. So HR gets the data as they want, transportation gets the data as they want, and we have the ability to now transform and give them their own pieces of data, what makes sense to them. So on the reporting side of things, uh, we are doing dynamic reporting now. So one part of it is to just ingest the raw data. As people get them, our data scientists, our data analytics power users get them. They can just use it, and it can be extended into uh, AI and machine learning processes. And then also we have uh, uh, call, uh, we are using Tableau for other dynamic reporting that we are doing at the moment. So now I will go through um, the. So we have split this. These two pictures show you how we have gone from the previous state to the current state. What I want you to get out of this slide basically are three main points. So one thing is that we have changed our process from an extract transform load to an extract load transform process. We have also uh, made us made our processes not dependent on the resources anymore. So this is we are using the cloud providers which are allocating resources as the processes need in terms of memory and processing and whatever else instead of being uh, dependent on the hardware that we have deployed. And the last thing is that we are giving data on a much faster real-time basis now which is more actionable as compared to the data that we had uh, in our previous system which was quite often stale and uh, you can't really make any uh, action on that data. You can just use it for improving your later on processes. Uh, so now I will transition into, so now I'll transition into how we got here. And we have split this into four categories, which is the data access layer, the report method, data latency and analytics turn time. A couple of them I will be covering from the data access and latency perspective, and a couple of them Brian will be covering. And we have kind of tried to show you how we have gone from our original previous to current state and what we foresee us doing in the future. So in, in terms of the data access, uh, we, we were totally dependent on the source system queries, whatever abilities they gave. Uh, there were some SQL clients built into which can just pull the data instead of getting pushed out of those systems. And that was our limitation uh, in terms of getting the data that these systems were managing. Uh, now in terms of in the previous state uh, where we were a few years back, uh, we tried to do some denormalization. So basically what we did is that uh, using the input from the users and uh, also from the source systems, we tried to transform the data upfront so a lot of it is not dependent on like the end user working on it and transforming as they needed. So we tried to do some of the heavy lifting in these denormalized uh, databases. Uh, but that, what it added is it added the processing and the time for loading and modifying that data as we needed it. Also, it was dependent on our understanding of, and at that point in time when we were building these denormalized databases, the requirements that we had from the user. 
in our current state now, we are in a cloud-based data warehouse. Uh, we have, uh, the users have the raw data. They also, the data is made available to them very fast. It's like literally a few minutes that they get the data as it is getting committed in the source systems. And they have uh, also, so, so not only we have given them the transformed data that they got from some of these denormalized databases, we also give them the raw data, which they can then analyze and say, here are our new requirements. Can you guys modify them and give us, do the, again, like put those processes in place so we get these standardized transformed data also. Going forward, the raw ingestion layer is what we want to build on. So we want to stream this data to different processes as they want to report on. Um, also, we want to uh, see that if, if it can be used for like artificial intelligence, machine learning for different purposes like that. Uh, with that, I think I will transform now to you. Yeah, so the, the second KPI that we're really tracking to see how advanced we, or how far we've advanced on our business intelligence journey is the report method. And when we say report method, that's really how our end users are digesting the data that they're receiving from us. Uh, so starting with the original state here, um, the source system reports were really all that our users had access to. So you had to be a subject matter expert in each one of those source systems to be able to pull data out of them. Um, so you would have to have a, a named user license for each one of the systems or work through a centralized reporting group to pull snippets of data, so one order at a time or a little bit of a batch uh, of data rather than big, large sets of data that are a little bit more valuable to the, to the end user. Moving to the previous state then, uh, we advanced along to more scheduled push reporting. Um, so this is a, a big leap from the original state and got our users a lot more data at their hands, but there's a lot of limitations with that as well. So um, when we say push scheduled reporting, that's really Excel-based email reports that you receive daily or hourly or um, whatever frequency is set up by the, by the report administrator. Um, and this is good for getting larger data and summarized data, uh, manipulated how the users want to see it, but it's, it's very um, uh, restrictive on, on your ability to, to be flexible with the data. So anytime you want to change the date range you're looking at, you have to start from scratch. If you want to include an extra customer, an extra building, you have to start from scratch and repull all the data. So the time between all the information that you're getting starts to add up and now the data starts to become stale. So the thing that we're moving into in the current state here is, is more of the self-service dashboards or subscription-based dashboards, um, which really gives our users the ability to pull the data that they need whenever they need to pull it. So um, it gives them that flexibility to start at maybe a high level of the network view, drill down into a building or a customer or an order or an item, really get down to that next level of detail that'll help them root cause issues uh, and find the problems that they're looking for or find the trends that they're looking for throughout the data. Um, so as the previous state starts to transform the data into information for our users, in the current state, we're really starting to get into that next phase of intelligence for our customers and, and for our internal customers. And then in the future state, um, what we're really looking at is more of the alerts uh, corrective action alerts for our users. Um, so not necessarily looking at reports at all anymore, but now we're looking at when something falls out of tolerance in a KPI, um, what are we gonna do about it? So we can start to draw conclusions from the data on our side, push them out to the users and say, go do this to fix this problem, rather than making our users spend the time to um, find out what the problem is within just the raw data. 
so there's been a lot of advancement within just the way our our users digest the information from the original state to what we're in in the current state, but I think getting to that future state is where it starts to get really exciting and, and saves a lot of time for our, for our users. So back to data latency now. So the next two items on this slide, the two um, areas that we have divided, this will resonate the most with you guys because we have all been interacted with these. We have faced these, whether we are business users, functional users, technical users the latency and the time it takes to get the data and get the reporting done. So in our previous system, due to the dependencies on the source systems, geographical locations that we were working with, we, we were up to two plus days of uh, getting this data to the analytics users so they can do something with it. Most of this time went into the, not only just to gather the data, but also to cleanse it and make it like even presentable to these advanced analytics users so they can do something with it and not have any basic problems that the data can have. Um, as we moved along in our previous state, we have gotten it to one day, down, it to, down to one day. The one day mostly also went into six to eight hours of daily processing of this data to get the denormalization gun done, process it, and put it in a transformed form. Uh, but still, we st had the same uh, resource allocation problems. You can't run the same processes for transportation and warehouse management at the same time because you don't have enough juice in the machines to do that. And now with the, our current state, we are less than or equal to 15 minutes data refresh. Because with the cloud, we can do things in parallel. Uh, resources are really not a question anymore in this, or a dependency anymore in this whole process. Uh, whichever process is more time intensive, memory intensive, storage intensive, just pulls the resources from the cloud as it needs. Um, and they all finish in like in a timely manner. Now with this less than or equal to 15 minutes data refresh rate, we actually have data that we can correlate like within the last hour, within the last two hours from different aspects of our business and do some actions on that and quickly fix these. If we find any problems, really quickly fix them and move forward. In the future state, we want to get to close to real time and we want the ability on the business side to make the decision whether uh, they want the dashboards to be updating right away on real-time basis or on whatever latency they want, but we don't want the latency to be coming from the data side anymore. And we are putting ourselves in that position, especially with that whole raw ingestion layer that we have built. The data that we originally get from these systems is available right then and there, and we get small chunks of data, so it's very quickly uh, refreshed also. And I'll move back to Brian for analytics. Yeah, so the, the final KPI that we're tracking uh, is analytics turn time. And really what this is is the time from when the data is made available to us to the time that the end user can start, start drawing their conclusions from it and get the reporting that they need. So um, starting with the original state, really what it, it took was about two plus days to once the data was available to the time that they could actually use it and, and digest it. So, What's causing those delays was a lot of the, the need for a centralized reporting group to build all the reporting for our users um, because not everybody was a subject matter expert in those source systems. So their request would go into a queue and it would get worked as, as time allowed. So it was about two plus days for the analytics side. When you add that to the two plus days for data latency, by the time the user's looking at their data, it's already four, four to five days old. So uh, really stale data that you're not really being able to be proactive on, but more look back on. 
Um, moving into the previous state, you start to get into more of the recreatable analytics. So you have things like Excel macros um, and things like that that you're able to speed up that uh, analytics turn time. Um, but there's still a, a good amount of work that needs to go in to make sure the data is formatted as it needs to be um, to go into those tools like the Excel macro. So it's still about a day plus on your analytics and you're still looking at two plus day old data uh, as it gets into the user's hands. Uh, where we're moving to in the current state now is more of that instantaneous data. So uh, because we're able to refresh the data as quickly as we are, our analytics are already built into our dashboard. So we have visualization tools that help see the trends of the data and identify where they're out of tolerance so our users can just log in, see data that happened 15 minutes ago, see what's out of tolerance, and start to draw their conclusions and make their actions based on that. And in the future, it's really, um, it's real-time directed actions like we mentioned before. So uh, there really is no data lag between what's happening in, in the systems right now and what we're seeing on our screens. Um, and we're drawing those conclusions to really look forward now. So what's going to happen in the future? What can we predict that's going to happen based on our business rules that are built into the information and, uh, and on the back end to start make those changes before they happen? So um, really predicting where our risks are and how we can mitigate those risks in the data. So I hope you got a kind of a good understanding of what we thought were the, the four major measures for us to track as we kind of progress in our journey in BI. Um, I think this is a good way to at least track that we're trending in the right direction and building a, uh, a scalable solution on our back end, which really is the foundation of everything that we're doing on the, on the front end, right? Um, so a couple of things on the front end, what does this actually uh, get us? Uh, as we've built our back end, kind of what is the benefits we're seeing on the front end, right? So I think you've heard uh, from us a lot today is the, the transformation of data to actionable intelligence is really what the key is. Um, so this is making our operations smarter, making our customers smarter through the use of data um, and helping them learn through the use of data um, and giving them the power to use the data um, to solve problems in their business on a daily basis. It gives us real-time directed actions, like I mentioned, so being more proactive in our operations, letting our operations spend time on the floor uh, correcting actions rather than spending time in data trying to figure out what the problem is, um, and really being proactive in that sense. Uh, control tower monitoring is something everyone's probably heard of, but really seeing the, the complete picture of your business, uh, so starting at the network view, being able to drill down into whatever you want to see, uh, whatever level of the organization, um, to have that kind of complete visibility of, of your network. End-to-end -end supply chain is something, it's a big word in the industry right now, but um, really what this means is how do you drive value for your customers, or how do you drive value within the data um, with that, that breadth of data that's available to us now. So things like inventory, how can we drive inventory out of the system by being able to see inventory that's being produced next month, that's on the water, that's in the warehouse, or that's out to the customer? How can we reduce stockouts of inventory by having that complete picture of data, right? Um, data transparency with customers is a big one for us too. So what we've done is really partner with our customers um, and use this as more of a pilot for them. Um, and really, they see the data when we see it. So there's no massaging or manipulating the data before we report on our performance. They see it exactly when we see it. So it becomes this single version of the truth with our customers that everybody can trust and, and get behind as we move forward with our customers. 
Another thing I'm really excited about is the integration of outside data sources. So this kind of unlocks a whole other level of analytics for us um, to be able to bring in things like traffic conditions in real time, weather conditions in real time, our customers' data for production schedules, things like that where we can start to draw even more conclusions and more correlations between the data to say we have a truck going uh, into North Atlanta today, but there's a traffic jam, so it might be late. How are we proactive with our customers to communicate with them, to let them know that there may be an issue? Um, and, and things like that that we've never been able to do before because it's just so much data out there. Uh, but having this cloud-based data warehouse and this infrastructure that we have has kind of unlocked the ability to, to pull these external data sources in for us and, and kind of move to that next level of analytics for us. So uh, we've got about 15 minutes left. Um, it's two things. One, our booth is right here. So if you want to see a demo, we can show you what we've been talking about for the last half hour. Um, we can do, if there's any questions, we can start it now. Otherwise, we can go through some of the key learnings on our journey, and, and that might be helpful. So are there, I'll just open it up. Are there any questions, uh, if anyone wants to ask those now? Sorry, so the question is, you've obviously put a lot of time and energy into the visualization aspect, but you know, how common is it for your customer to say, okay, you've got a good data infrastructure and integration set up, I'm a Power BI or Tableau shop, let me tap into your data warehouse, because I trust the data, and I'm going to do all my analytics and reporting. Does that, does that happen? Do you, okay. Yeah, it's happening. So our, we didn't, our, we've chosen Snowflake as our, our cloud. And um, we see that now progressing where uh, our, 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 our data can almost, I don't know if they talk to each other, but from a cloud perspective. So we are getting those requests and we will um, you know, our, we'll provide that information. So we're working really closely. Um, one of the things we've done, I think it's a great question, is uh, we didn't touch on it. Like how did we build our dashboards or how do you go about it is, is really it's customer back, right? So we've really, um, embraced um, learnings from other customer organizations, but we're willing to share that information, but it is happening, and I think it's, um, you know, what do you want to specialize and focus on? And when we build a series of dashboards or reports, you know, that dashboard or reports are available for 30 customers, um, so there might be a little bit more scale or efficiency if we do it, but it's a great question, and we are getting asked that. And we'll start our, um, we're doing it a little bit through, I would say, old technology, but. Um, we'll start doing a lot more in, I think, Q3, Q4 of this year. So there's another. Thank you. Uh, do you have a preference on which Power BI uh, software? I know you mentioned Tableau specifically here. I know uh, pa uh, Power BI is a really common one for 365 users. I know there's several others out there. Yeah. Is there a rhyme or reason for your choice of Tableau over others? or? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I would just say that um, when we initially partnered with Tableau, we did kind of the research on everything that was out there. I think they're all pretty comparable from the standpoint of the visualization tools. I think Tableau just made sense for, uh, for our company at the time based on the size of users we would have and, and the way we wanted to release the dashboards out to everybody. Um, but we're pretty much a tool agnostic when it comes to that. I think Tableau just made sense for us at the time. 
yeah, I think it was a little maybe a first, uh, first mover advantage. We got comfortable with the tool. Um, but uh, we, we do think they're all very, I don't, they're comparable, right? There's a lot of good products out there. And um, I think we just got comfortable, built that skill set. So other questions? So we'll uh, just go through some key learnings that, um, that we had through our evolution. And um, so, you know, involve and partner with uh, stakeholders early and on and, and throughout the process. So Brian, do you just want to give uh, your perspective on that? Yeah. Yeah, I think the key for us when we were starting this process, and I think Kevin mentioned earlier, we had kind of started and stopped a few times down this journey. Um, but when we when we started this last time, I think the, the big change was we had a, an executive committee buy-in at this level. So um, they were really driving the, the need to move this into a new direction, um, and it really started at the top. I think the second thing that Kevin mentioned just with this last question was that we were really involving the end users early to get the use cases, to find out what was important for them as we built these dashboards and as we built the infrastructure on the back end. So um, really taking a look at both our internal users and our external users and finding out what was valuable to them and then building based on that. Anything else you want to add? Or? I would just like to add, I mean, on the data side of things, it was, I mean, one of the key things like they, uh, both Kevin and Brian mentioned is that we involve the stakeholders. So you are a lot of time managing data and you really don't have like a full insight into the data, what it will be used for, how the business wants to, uh, how the business wants it to be processed and made available. So by involving our partners and stakeholders that helped us a lot in setting up our infrastructure, which is in place today. Yeah, I think one of the things I would have done a little differently is we held one of our key stakeholders back a little bit. It was our customer and I think, um, when we brought them into the process, you know, you give them a little, they want more faster, and then in turn that puts more pressure within your organization, your executive team to produce that data faster. I think we probably don't wait to be perfect. Find a customer you have a uh, good relationship with. There's going to be some learnings to go through that. Get it to them faster. Uh, you'll understand the gaps in your processes, your, your data a little bit more um, quickly, but just get someone to work with. So I would say that was one of the things I would do differently, um, that we just get, go faster and find a customer to partner with and, and learn together. Um, that's the best way to, I think, move these projects along at a greater speed. Um, the next uh, one we had is, uh, you know, our key learnings around customer-driven, and I'm going to have uh, Usman talk a little bit about the in internal, and then Brian will talk, talk a little bit about the external. From uh, our overall solution perspective, we have both internal uh, use internal customers, which are our different departments, like our HR system, our finance system, marketing, warehousing, uh, transformation, all of them. And we identified from the very beginning some of the uh, subject matter experts in their areas. Uh, although we manage the data and we know how to manage the data, but what that data really means, uh, it is best known by these subject matter experts. And they do they did help us a lot and. Uh, is still going on from the perspective of how uh, how it should be structured, what makes sense for the end system. Um, so that that was one of the key learnings for us to involve them from the beginning. So they are partnered with that. Yeah, and from the external standpoint, I think uh, the big thing that we learned was it really can't come from us. So it needs to come from them. So we partnered with them really early on and kind of brought them along as part of the pilot program um, to really say, what, is, what do you guys need to see rather than us try to tell you what you need to see um, and involve them in the process early on um, and let them kind of drive it because at the end that got 
that got the adoption in the tool and the, the belief in the tool uh, from our customers to start using it more and more because they were involved in, in the development of it, really. I'll bring back an old term, and I think it's relevant here, is the user group community. So we've kind of created those user groups within the functional areas uh, that Usman had talked about. So we have a you know, kind of user group um, for like an HR or a finance, which has really helped the process, and then also a customer user group. I know it's an old tech term, and, but it, it's really been another thing. I guess if I would have done something differently here, I think I would have I accelerated that a little bit well, uh, quicker as well. Um, is just making sure those user uh, groups are, are established sooner uh, rather than later. Um, the next one is uh, key learning was you know just building out a roadmap um, ahead of, of time just for prioritization. So Brian, I'll let you uh, kick that one off. Yeah, so this was a big learning for us as well. So uh, when we started down the path, we thought we really had a good roadmap of the of the future. And what we saw is there's a lot of scope creep and, and changing priorities within the organization. So. Um, it's really important to, to build out that roadmap. It's going to need to change. You need to be flexible and be able to pivot. But uh, to have a roadmap helps you communicate with people, helps them see what other priorities you have. And also, I think there's two levels of the roadmap, too. So you have to have a very tactical uh, roadmap that gets down to the, the infrastructure side and the front end side. But then there should be a strategic roadmap, too. So in two years, in three years, where do we want to evolve this to? So you know what you're building towards, and you're not uh, going to have to pivot and change in a year to, uh, to something new. So, I mean, like Brian mentioned, it's important that we get the prioritization correctly at, at all levels of the business and at all levels of processing. So having the executive team help us with building this whole roadmap and from strategy perspective, it helped a lot because although we are building this new system, like everybody else, we are still maintaining our old systems. There is still, people are still requesting changes to the existing platform that we have. But having this roadmap, roadmap defined upfront helped us tell them and explain to them that this is where it is fitting and then prioritize it accordingly and handling it. Yeah, I think um, one of the things we started to do is think like a software company, think about release schedules, make sure you're publishing like what you're going to produce in Q1 through Q2, 3, and 4. It may change, um, but that at least then gets uh, visibility out to your organization on what you're going to release and when you're going to release it. And so I think it, it helps just, uh, again, that transparency across your organization. We actually use that with our customers as well. Uh, is trying to set expectations. Again, you get a little bit on a limb because you, you know there's going to be a change to schedule. Um, but I think in this space, the evolution, it, it's just really important to be transparent of what your roadmap is, um, both internal and externally uh, to your customers. Um, the next one we had is um, clearly communicate timelines and adjustments to the to stakeholders. I think, um, Usman, you were going to take the lead on this one. So like adding back to the previous slide also and kind of uh, moving forward from that, uh, we did communicate. This allowed us like having a timeline and uh, having a process in place and then executive team and a whole uh, strategic uh, roadmap helped us communicate to the users also that this is where we are, this is how we are adjusting, here are the changes coming and as we did still make changes to our priorities as we went along and uh, it was, uh, we co continuously communicated with them since the most of the uh, internal users at least were on board already with us as subject matter experts or as power users. They were already part of the processes, so they were understanding as we were going along uh, how these adjustments and timelines are happening. I'm just going to interest time. I mean, on this one, I just think the large, it's a big challenge. So there's a, as you look around the show, there's a lot of uh, new products, new evolutions in the space, a lot of new shiny objects. 
Um, so I, when you think about stakeholders, you're, you're, there's an executive level, but there's also the organization. We have people come up to us, look, I found this new BI tool. Look, I found this. You don't want to spurn innovation. You, know, you, want, you want to have that. Um, but you also, you got to control that a little bit too. So that, it, it's been one of our challenges and will continue to be a challenge in this space because there is a lot of good stuff out there. And you know, someone saw this on the internet or they got a, a phone call from a salesperson and then they're kind of demoing piloting. So how do you uh, encourage innovation but also um, have some the control processes behind the scene? We have about four minutes left. I always like to let people out early. Um, and. Uh, um, if there's any other questions, we can take them. Again, I think uh, this is a, a good ending slide. Um, it's not about the technology. It is about the technology, but it's how you create value. How we started our, our journey here is how does data create a competitive advantage. We never think about the technology we're going to implement. We think about the business problem we're trying to solve for our customers and then even bring that down another level, what is that use case, right? What, are you, what is that use case? Like a lot of people mention end-to-end -end supply chain. Well, what's the value you're trying to drive there? Is it transparency? Is it service inventory reduction? Um, I think driving to that level then helps you build out uh, your, your, your BI platform or, or really the, the reporting, the technology you need to deliver to your customers. So I want to thank you for attending. Um, our booth is right here at DSC. Um, we are demoing uh, our dashboards. If you'd like to come by and see that in action, we've got a team over there. Um, Brian and Newsman would be there too if you have any other questions or uh, any advice for us, we'll take as well because I'm sure everybody's on a different journey. Um, but again, thanks for the time today. We really appreciate uh, you coming to our session.